Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Episode number 17 of the Reinventure Me podcast. Here's a truth. You're going to face rejection in your next great beginning. And in this episode of Reinventure Me, we'll try to take the sting out of your next great rejection. Find your next great beginning. This is the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Well, hello and welcome to Reinventure Me, the podcast where we talk about what's next in life. And we're so glad that you can be a part of this episode. This is Larry Gates along with my co host, Armin Asadi. Welcome to this show. And Armin, good to see you again. Likewise. Great dinner last night. Oh, that was awesome. I, I got to tell you, I had no idea what squib was. <laughs> We're going to tell the world I ate pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> you did eat pigeon. I had to look it up. I had to Google it. I, know, I had no <laughs> idea what it was. Hey, it was good. It was good. Oh, It was better boy. than monkey brains. So. Yeah, you've had quite a bit. <laughs> You're, you've got quite a culinary history here. We'll have to have an episode devoted to foods no one should eat. <laughs> eat <laughs> that armin has eaten <laughs> that armin has gotta eaten. keep it exciting i guess yeah, yeah i guess good, though well speaking of exciting you know i think when we face our next great beginning we can get so excited about it and i know that there are times when i come up with an idea and i'll run to anna you know and i'll say yeah. hey i got this great idea <laughs> and she like yeah what is it and i tell her and she yep. just kind of looks at me yep do you ever have that Oh, three times a day or so. <laughs> I don't have a lot of great ideas. Suddenly, I that just gr- think I do. Suddenly, that great idea didn't sound so good. You know, it was much better in my own head. And yeah. then as soon as it goes out of the mouth and yep. I see it reflected back in the blank eyes of someone else, yeah. it becomes less, less intoxicating. <laughs> well, I think it's an extrovert issue. We it don't know be. if anything is good or bad until we extrovert it. Uh, it might be. And a lot of times, by the time we get done ha- or halfway through extroverting an idea, we realize this is really stupid. Yeah, well, when you, whenever you're starting off on a new adventure and you're starting on a new beginning and you're trying to do something new or different, we can often run into that. And that reminds me of the Farside cartoon. And I know you still don't know Gary Larson. He was before your time, but I'm telling you, I'm buddy, you've you got to look him up. I will. I will. And no, this isn't a TV cartoon. This is a cartoon book. Oh. You don't watch this stuff. You, gotcha. you, you read it. It's old-timey stuff, you'll say. All right, so this is serious stuff. <laughs> He has this picture of a butterfly that's come out of his cocoon, and he's squarely in a spider's web, (laughs) just just inches away. It's like the spider was just waiting, (laughs) waiting for that next meal. And it just cracks me up because it reminds me about so many things in life we can get enthusiastic about. We got this great new beginning, right? The caterpillar has morphed into this beautiful butterfly 
ready to spread its wings and what does it encounter? <laughs> a spider web. Chrysalis <laughs> to a meal. <laughs> yeah, you probably you probably eaten butterflies, haven't you? No, I, that's one thing I have not eaten. <laughs> I've had a moth in my mouth before. <laughs> well, I, I swallowed a wasp, so I think, <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, that was fun because it kept trying to crawl up my throat. Yeah, oh. yeah I still can feel it. That's well, horrible. long ago, an 18th century playwright, Joseph Addison, is giving us today's Inspire Me quote. <laughs> and he said, There is no defense against criticism except obscurity. Huh. Break that down. Well, I like this quote because we have a choice when we face criticism. Hmm. And that is to continue on in spite of it or to allow it to make us less than we should be. And the idea of defense against criticism as obscurity suggests that we might just become less than we should be, and only because somebody else has said something about what we ought to be. Hmm. So we're going to talk about rejection today and yeah. criticism and all that fun stuff. And Gosh. it would be uh, disappointing, I think. Would you agree? I mean, it would be disappointing if we lost listeners right now. Oh. <laughs> I think I would feel rejected. Hey, yes, How about you? Oh, I definitely would. Yeah. If well, good thing we don't have to know if they did. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> so we can remain in obscurity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but all right. Well, I know we've all kind of dealt with a lot of rejection. I don't think there's anybody in this world that hasn't dealt with mm. a, reje- a lot of rejection. So how about you? I mean, I mean you've gone through corporate, ministry, family. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you've gone through. So what, what kind of rejection have you done? Well, I've lived almost 55 years and I've never had a single f- instance of rejection. Right. That's not the story I heard last night. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. <laughs> I'm getting in. <laughs> that fantasy one likes to project is gone, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, being an entrepreneur and starting my own company almost 20 years ago, it'd mm. be 20 years ago next year. Uh, you cannot start your own company without facing some kind of rejection on a daily basis. Yeah. And it especially stings when the product is yourself that you're selling. You see, wow. when you sell yourself as a consultant huh. and somebody says, no, or I don't understand, or I'm not sure how you can help, it's hard not to take that personally and say, oh, that's, that's all about me. Well, I was going to say I sympathize, but I actually don't because every business we've started or any of my friends and I have started, it's been about a product or a service, not about me. So oh, we, I thought you were going to say it's been an instant success. <laughs> <and> everything's <laughs> no, been great. Not at all. Not at all. No, because <laughs> it's easy to sympathize from an entrepreneurial uh, standpoint because you get rejected, whether it's from fundraising standpoint or selling your services or product. But to say that you are the product and the service and when they're rejecting, they're not just rejecting what you're offering. They're rejecting you. Yeah, because you are the offering. Yeah, it's you know? a whole other level. Wow. I think a lot of people who are artists as well experience that because their product is directly from their conception, You know, whether mm. you're writing a book or That's painting true. or uh, performing music. Right. It has a direct relationship if you're the uh, sole contributor to what is the product. Right. So rejection is going to be there all the time. Well, so today we're going to be talking about how to handle rejection, but to be able to handle something, it's always a good thing to first understand 
something before you try to figure out how to handle it, how to solve it, how to deal with it. I know you have this three-step thing where you say, here's three things that you need to understand about rejection. Can you walk us through that? Well, yeah, it's just very simply, there's three things that we all need to remember about rejection. And the first is that every new beginning will face rejection. You can't start something without having some form of rejection hmm. or a milder form of criticism toward it. Why, why, do, you, why do you say that? I'm well, curious. because if you're starting something that is a great beginning, then it risk is involved. Okay. And when risk is involved, you can't know everything about it. You are taking some steps with some unknown things. And if you're not experiencing rejection or you're not experiencing some criticism for what you're doing, you might be playing it too safe. Hmm. The question then is, what are you afraid of? And ironically, when you play it safe like that, you're imposing your own rejection. You're imposing self-rejection. You're saying... You don't believe enough in yourself or your faith in God to live out what he's put inside of you, that you're playing it safe. You don't want to face any kind of criticism or rejection from others, so you dumb it down to its most palatable thing that the world might receive hmm. in order to avoid rejection, in order to avoid criticism, and it's just another way of rejecting the very thing God may have been putting inside of you. If you had to boil down what you just said to one sentence or one-liner what would that be? Playing it safe is a form of self-rejection. That is profound. And it's so true huh? that we often play it safe, and we don't think about it necessarily as self-rejection. We think about it as not having to do a lot of work or, you know, whatever. But yeah. it's also not living out fully what God's put inside of you. That's, Wow. That's a tweetable right there. There you go. <laughs> All right, everybody, you heard that. <laughs> Tweet it out there. Second thing is that everyone goes through rejection. So not, ev not only will every beginning face rejection, if it's a great new beginning, the kind of beginning we're to embark on, but everyone will go through that. It's not uh, uncommon to right. man to be rejected. Of course, right. you know, Jesus Christ himself was rejected by right. man, right? Right, right but we tend to forget that. Yeah, it's a very normal thing. It but is a normal every, thing. Every time it happens, though, we always think I'm the well, one. Well, you're it. Yeah, I'm the well, one. Well, all one eyes are on you yeah. whenever whenever you're facing criticism. <laughs> yeah, well, it was me. There's a, have you heard the story about J.K. Rowling? Yeah, he, she, or, or incredible story. Go ahead. You no, know, you tell it. I think it's, I think it's well, great. Okay, correct me if I'm wrong. So here's what I know about her story, which I think is a phenomenal rejection story. Um, she marries a Portuguese journalist, um, she moves out to where he lives, which I'm guessing is Portugal. They end up having a failed marriage. And the only thing out of that marriage that she still had um, after the marriage ended was her little baby girl, mm -hmm. Jessica. Um, so rejected, she kind of comes back to the United Kingdom. She mm -hmm. moves into this little apartment in Edinburgh and... Uh, she's living there off a of mice infested apartment, right? Yes, yes. like a dirty mice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of like living mm -hmm. in the projects of Edinburgh, basically. Right. And um, she's basically living off of welfare, getting, I think, the equivalent of $100 a week or Yeah, she couldn't weeks. afford the gas to, to heat the place, right? Yeah, she couldn't even heat the place. So every day she would go to this coffee shop nearby and she would sit there sipping on a espresso for two hours while writing the book 
Harry Potter, the the first mm-hmm. edition of Harry mm-hmm. Potter, while uh, her baby would just sleep mm. in something nearby, and then she eventually turned that around. Um, she went and got rejected by three different British publishers, and then one took her on. They signed her on for like fifteen thousand dollars, and then it got instant traction. Then she got a offer from an American publisher for a hundred thousand dollars. Long story short. She went from not having enough money to heat her apartment to the final edition where she is in between the income of Madonna and that Beatles guy. What's his name? John Mc- John Lennon? Yeah, that guy. <laughs> what's his name? <laughs> did, you really, did you really just ask me I know, a Beatles I know. what's his name I know, question? I know. I just put my entire generation <laughs> to shame. I'm sorry, millennials. I am sorry. <laughs> But yeah, so she's the highest income earning uh, woman in the United Kingdom right yeah. now. And we know her as J.K. Rowling, yeah. but her full name is Joanne Kathleen Rowling. Yeah. And she had to change that name too, right? She oh, had that's to, right. She, she changed it to J.K. because the publishers thought as a woman, her novel may not be received. No, they said nobody is going nobody, to read it. If they know it's written right. by a so woman. Right, so not only was she rejected by publishers, but she was rejected for being a woman. woman. She was rejected in her marriage. <laughs> she was rejected, you know, in <laughs> basically in a home that didn't even satisfy right. the basic living conditions. Yep. So here's an example of someone who went through mm-hmm. a lot of rejection and, uh, and overcame that. Yep. Now, can't promise you that you're going to become the next J.K. Rowling to go through the steps that we have suggested for you here, but it does tell you that when we think about our own lives, we often see the lowlights easily. Mm-hmm. And when we look at others, we see all their highlights. Right. We never see their lowlights. Right. You know, we never really process all the stuff they had to go through mm-hmm. over years and years and years. And here's a great, that's a great example. Yeah. Great example of that. So every new beginning is going to face rejection. Everyone's going to go through it. And here's the, the third. Rejection doesn't need to become defeat. Hmm. You can decide that. You might be rejected. If J.K. Rawlings had decided after the third publisher that she wasn't going to continue on anymore seeking more publishers, we would never have had the Harry Potter series. And a number of you probably think that that wouldn't have been a bad thing for the world. (laughs) (laughs) And we're not making any judgment about that, except to say that here's an example of going on. Now, the, the shack was rejected by many publishers, maybe even more so. Both on the faith based side and the a non faith based side. Everybody rejected William. Young, I think, is his last name. Yeah, and it's easy to think about authors in terms of being rejected for books because it's a very tangible thing. It's right. out there. But we all experience that daily. Mm-hmm. And the question for you that you get to decide when somebody criticizes you or you feel rejected by what you're thinking about or the new beginning you're going after or maybe that new job you're trying to get and you just can't seem to land an interview or even get hired, even if you had a great interview... And maybe you're just discouraged about that. You get to decide how long you want to continue that commitment. Hmm. And the size of your commitment is measured by what it takes to stop you. Hmm. And so J.K. Rawlings wasn't willing to be stopped after three publishers. And the author of The Shack, I forgot his name. William Young. William Young. Yeah, I mean, those are, I mean, those are good questions to even ask yourself. You know, what, what is going to stop me? Is it a financial thing? Is it, is it poverty? Is it... Is it abuse? Is it slander? Is it gossip? Is it 
security what is it what what has to come against me before i say i'm done trying and that's a good question to ask you yeah and it may be a hard question to ask ahead of time but when you're in the middle of rejection Mm -hmm. a question you can ask yourself is is this going to be the thing that stops me right am i going to be stopped by such a small thing right when somebody says no larry i i don't think you know i want to hire you i can go home and i can say well that's it i'm done yeah you know i'm not going to continue on right but then I've just allowed that person to dictate to me the course of my life. Now, if I choose that, because really that's maybe a good signal that maybe I shouldn't continue on. Right. Maybe there's something else that I'm supposed to birth out. Hmm. But if I'm only viewing it based on that one signal, that one rejection, then uh, I'm that's the size of my commitment. I like that. So I guess we get it. We get, we get how to uh, kind of assess it and... Uh, the things that we need to know about rejection. So you're talking about every every new beginning will have to face rejection. Everyone goes through rejection. And you said rejection doesn't need to become defeat, right? Those are the three mm-hmm. things you gave. All right, so why don't we just go through, how, how would you suggest that it's a good way for us to actually handle that rejection or that criticism? Well, there are four ways. These are all things that we should do collectively, and they're not either-or kinds of suggestions here. But the first is to develop an optimistic, explanatory mindset. Now, this is what psychologists refer to as the mindset that sees the potential in the future. That's the optimistic part. We always look at the world as there's something else it has to offer me, and I can grab a hold of that. An explanatory mindset, along with that, is saying it's not personal. I don't have to take the rejection, even though I, I told you, you know, when I'm selling myself as a consultant, you know, it does feel very personal. But I can also say, no, it's not the right cycle time of business for them. Or perhaps it isn't about me. It might be about the way I presented something so I can learn by it. Hmm. And in our episode on mindset at reinvention.me slash four, if you want to review that episode, we talked about the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. And basically, those who have this optimistic, explanatory mindset are happier people, and uh, research has shown that they're more likely to become successful, more likely to stay with it. They're mm-hmm. more likely to have the perseverance to actually achieve the great beginning that they had in mind. Dan Pink wrote a book called To Sell as Human, and he calls this ability to stay afloat amid an ocean of rejection as buoyancy. And, and when we have a certain buoyancy in our life, and we take this optimistic, explanatory mindset, we're able to be more productive, happier, and more likely to achieve the success that we're looking for. Hmm. That's really interesting. I love Dan Pink, by the way. That's a great book, by the way. It Anybody is. should read that. We may even have an episode on that to sell as human because it does affect, we'll have a link in our show notes to that book, but it does affect how we think about our next great beginning because everybody starting on a new beginning has to basically sell their new beginning. Yeah. The second thing that we have to look at when we're trying to overcome or handle rejection or criticism is not to build our identity on what we do. Uh, we are more than we produce. And while the work of your hand might not appeal to somebody, and this has been especially true for me as I've experienced it in my own consulting practice, the value of, of your life hasn't changed. You know, Whatever you do hmm. may or may not be well-received by someone, but that doesn't change the fact that you've been gifted by God to accomplish something. Hmm. And we're basically here to serve an audience of one. 
Yeah. It's not getting our grade from the rest of the world. It's our getting our grade from God. I love that. I actually got a quote for you. Good. All right. It's uh, it's by a guy named Henry Nowen. I love Henry Nowen. Guy that you introduced me to. So I don't know why I just said it like you don't know who he is. <laughs> All right. So his quote says, when our value as human beings depends on what we make with our hands and minds, we become victims of the fear tactics of the world. When productivity is our main way of overcoming self-doubt, we are extremely vulnerable to rejection and criticism and prone to inner anxiety and depression. Productivity can never give the deep sense of belonging that we crave. Mm. Mm. You know, and as a productivity junkie, yeah. I need to be reminded of that. Right. I look at what I produce and I look mm. at saying, okay, can I do that faster, better, whatever? And th- those are words that just kind of hit to the core because right. it isn't about all that we can produce. Mm-hmm. If our identity is wrapped up in what people think about what we put out there, then we've lost something of ourselves. Yeah. When I first read this, the weird thing is, is I actually made me think about my wife. Because there's a lot of things I do that are extremely, I don't know, especially in the business world or networking or entrepreneurial world, I feel like I'm being very productive. I'm getting a lot of things done. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm achieving a lot. But then I think about my wife and I realize that doesn't do anything for her. Mm-hmm. You know, she could be proud of me and all that. But the end of the day it doesn't really make her feel like she belongs to anything and it it doesn't necessarily make me even feel like i belong with this relationship it, it's it's separated so she's me. not more proud of you if you get 20 things off your checklist than well, if you I'll, get 10 I'll, yeah well I'll, I'll replace it with another 20 right away you yeah. know that's my issue so i don't know it just hit home for me when mm. i read that quote mm. so good good well, the third way that we can become more resilient to rejection and criticism is to find the win in what we hear or, or receive from others. And I like what Franklin Jones had to say. He said, honest criticism is hard to take, particularly from a relative, a friend, an acquaintance, or a stranger. So pretty much anybody, <laughs> anybody and everybody. It's, it, it's hard to take from yeah. anyone, you know, yeah. because it does cut to all the things that we just talked about. Mm. But there's something in every form of criticism or rejection that you might experience. Hmm. And even if the guy or woman who's speaking to you and giving you some really stupid advice or criticism criticism yeah. or being downright mean. Right. Even if it's downright mean, what can you take away from that when they're like totally wrong? They're like a troll, right? They're just <laughs> there to bring you down. <laughs> troll. <laughs> What can you get out of that? You know, you might right. say, well, how does that help you? What can you find in that? Yeah. It is a good takeaway. That's a positive takeaway. How can a troll be a positive takeaway for you? Yeah. Well, here's how it can. If it strengthens your resolve to keep going. Hmm. Sometimes that's about as much as you can get from someone when you face rejection or criticism. Sometimes what they have to say, you have to look at and say, well, there's some things that are probably partial truths there that I can learn from. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's nothing. They're just bent on your destruction for whatever pathetic pleasure it gives them. Yeah. But if that criticism, you look at it and you go, I am resolved to not let that troll be the size of my commitment. Yeah. You see? Yeah. You don't want that troll to be able to stop you. I like that. I I know. We talked about this when we talked about mentors. Um, we did a whole episode on it, 
but there is one group that I'm very comfortable and I, and I hate criticism. I'm that guy. Um, but there is one group of people in my life that I'm very comfortable getting criticism from because pretty much the reason that relationship exists is for that purpose mm-hmm. is for them to help me grow. And I, I know when I start a relationship with that permission out there, it makes the criticism a lot easier. And my mentors are, are there for that. And every time I receive anything from mentors, I know it's uh it's a lot easier to receive than even my own wife or anybody. <laughs> so well, I don't know. I'm, I'm with Franklin Jones. I, I don't know if it's even, I don't, I, sometimes even for mentors is the hardest because they're the ones you want to impress Press. the most. Yeah. And sometimes when they criticize you, you know that they love you and they're doing it for that reason. Right. But you're also knowing it's got to be really serious because yep. otherwise it would have fallen under the grace threshold, oh, you know? Yeah, that's not my mentors. <laughs> Oh, well, then the last thing we want to suggest that you can do to, to handle a rejection is to get feedback on how you receive feedback. Hmm. We're often not aware of how we receive criticism. And this creates a, an interesting problem, if not corrected, that could lead to more rejection. And that is when we don't receive criticism well, people start to shut down. Right. And then they start to form opinions against us. And then pretty soon that just morphs and boils into just outright rejection. And we wonder, well, why is no one supporting my idea? And it could be because they know we're not going to listen to anything they may have. Mm -hmm. You know, the irony here is that many people are trying to help us. And when we don't allow them to give input into our lives, they take it personally. When we shut off input Mm -hmm. we're rejecting them right so it creates this cycle of rejection between both Mm -hmm. parties yep so that's uh one of the things that can happen and we can pick this stuff up you know even from our childhood how we were were raised can influence whether we were receptive to rejection or not oh yeah I couldn't tell you how many different stories I could tell you about that. Specifically, well, you might want to cue some depressing piano music <laughs> in the background. Um, cue depressing music. I don't have that. We don't Sorry. have that. Um, when, when, I was, when I was 16 is when my parents actually started a divorce process. And, mm. and, and this will tie into everything else. I'll make sense of this, I promise. Well, that was our own rejection of yeah, each right. other, right? <laughs> mm. is that, so my parents actually never divorced. So we, oh. we can remove the depression out of this story and sadness out of this story. Oh, cute, but, cute nice violence. Yeah, okay. is, so my parents actually never divorced, but they started this year-long, maybe not year-long, maybe eight-month-long process of a divorce, and it was just this battle that ensued. Mm. And I remember through that process that it it wasn't even they're trying to reject me. I was just invisible. But regardless Mm. of what they said or how they they handled the situation, I felt rejected. Mm. And it was so weird because I went through my life doing whatever that I did, whether it was a job or anything else I went to. And I didn't understand this until a few years ago. But every single time that somebody would give me criticism or somebody would um, give me anything that made me kind of feel the same emotion I felt during my parents' divorce process, I would respond the exact same way as if I was still a 16-year-old kid as a grown man. And I never understood my reaction to certain things until I actually had that epiphany is that I never actually dealt or understood 
my rejection way back when I was a teenage kid. And I respond every single time the same way when I, it, it just feels the same. Yeah. And we don't know that we're conditioned to that often mm-hmm. until you, you start to pick up some of those cues. And that's why we need feedback from others to help us know whether we're getting that or not. And it was feedback from someone else that helped me actually realize. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Because that's I awesome. started seeing a psychologist and that kind of helped. But then I started talking to a psychologist friend who was a really good friend. He wasn't counseling me or anything yeah. like that i was talking about the counseling session <laughs> and then i had a real one with him where he pointed that out he says oh it just sounds like you're still dealing with rejection issues from back in the uh, day I yeah, was like, oh good. wow and uh yeah but it was his feedback that Nothing actually like having realize. a shrink as a friend right, right? <laughs> <laughs> well let's tee up our challenge me segment perfect so here's how we want to challenge you and we want to make this easy i mean last time Gave you guys kind of a big challenge telling you guys to, uh, you know, go out, get strength finders or Myers-Briggs or whatever to help you assess yourself. This time I'm going to make it very simple. I want you to go ask someone that knows you well. So whether that's your wife, your husband, your best friend, whoever, and ask that someone who knows Probably not your parents. (laughs) Avoid your parents. No, I'm just kidding. Parents work too. Um, And go ask that person what you could do to accept feedback better. Let me give you a couple of examples of a way that you could ask that question. So let's just say the person you're going to talk to is John. I would say, hey, John, what could I do to make it easier for someone to give me feedback? Mm. Or here's another example. Hey, John, is there anything about my behavior which signals to others that I don't want feedback? All you're doing here is basically what you were talking about so that you're not telling the world I'm unapproachable. And then you can have someone who is watching you from, uh, from a has an outside perspective that says, hey, man, here's what it sounds like, or here's what it looks like, here's what it feels like when you act like this, respond like this, react like whatever. And that that's helps. Good. And it helps you. Yeah, I learned it from you. So yeah, that's I'm good. Glad well, you like it. <laughs> yeah, I like it a lot. <laughs> in that case, <laughs> but I but I think it's good too for our audience to realize they can give us feedback, criticize yeah. this show. You know, we, we hope you that there. you like this episode. <laughs> you like how it segued right into that. There's if you like this episode, would you leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher and tell your friends? You can get short links to iTunes through reinventure.me/itunes or reinventure.me slash Stitcher. You'll find all of our show notes at reinventure.me slash 17. We'll have the links to the books that we talked about and uh, the notes from this show you'll find there. We'd love for you to leave us a question or a comment on reinventure.me or call our show line. In fact, be the first to call our show line. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. 612-314-5447. I'm going to repeat that again for all of you who don't want to reject us. 612-314-5447. Just tell us you at least got the number and it's working. That'd be awesome. And it's short, of course, join our discussion on Facebook at facebook.com slash me. Well, I want to tell you about something that's coming up. I'm very excited about the Dream Intensive Mastermind Group starting in June. So we're taking applications this month to form a mastermind of six people who will be meeting together twice a month over video conference from wherever they are around the world. We're going to get together at the same time live, and we're going to talk about what steps we need to take to move our next great beginning forward in a very, very ambitious way. And I can't wait to share some of the things that I have in mind uh, with uh, the Mastermind and looking forward to those groups kicking off in June. 
If that's something you have an interest in, visit www.dreamintensive.com slash mastermind and find out more. Well, that's all the time that we have for this week. We love being with you guys and, and appreciate that you're listening into this show. We love to get your feedback and we bid you adieu until next week. Never stop becoming what you should be. You've been listening to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Amin Asadi.